The church has a very, very beautiful way of walking with us through each Sunday of Lent, teaching us about who Jesus is, what he does, what he's capable of for us in our lives, what he desires to give us and do for us. For example, the first Sunday of Lent, we see Jesus go out to the desert and he's tempted by the enemy. In his humanity, he wants food, he's hungry, he's been fasting. We see Jesus' humanity that Sunday. Last Sunday, the second Sunday of Lent, we see the transfiguration where he's transfigured before Peter, James, and John, and the glory of God is shown very abundantly and clearly. So we see Jesus' humanity, his divinity, and then we come to this third Sunday of Lent, and we see both. We see both. Jesus sits down at the well to take a rest because he's tired. He's exhausted. What human being doesn't know what exhaustion is? What human being doesn't know what it means to be tired and to have to sit down and just rest for a minute to take a sip of water? So we see his humanity in that sense, but then we also see Jesus reveal the glory of God, reveal his divinity, not in some big flashy transfiguration, not in a big booming voice from heaven like we heard last Sunday, but he shows the glory of God in a very simple way to this poor Samaritan woman who's out by herself in the heat of the day. All of the fresh water from the well has probably been taken early that morning from everybody else in the town. She's there as an outcast. She sees Jesus. She meets him, is totally put off by that. How can you, a Jewish man, speak to me, a Samaritan woman? And then little by little, he starts to reveal the love of God Almighty to her. Simply by revealing all of these things, had we gone through the long version of the gospel, more of that would be abundantly clear. But Jesus starts to tell her, I know who you are. I know what you've done. I know what brings you here. I know what your heart longs for and thirsts for. I know that I'm the only one who can fulfill it. Eventually, he reveals to her, I'm the Messiah. You just said that you know the Messiah is coming. You know what he's going to do. You know what to expect. And now here I am right here before you. He reveals that glory of God in the quiet stillness, simply taking a break, taking a rest, having this conversation, and he changes this woman's life. At this point in Lent, maybe we find ourselves starting to get tired, burdened, weary. Whatever it is we may have given up or taken on, maybe there's something else in life, extenuating circumstances, external things that bring us to this place of exhaustion and being tired, and looking at the Lord and saying, where are you? Just like the woman going out by herself, I know the Messiah is coming at some point, but where is he? Just like the Israelites in the first reading, wandering through the desert, Moses, why did you take us out of Egypt? Yeah, we were slaves. We were mistreated. We were abused and we were beaten and we were mocked. But at least we had food. At least we had water. Why did you take us out here to die of thirst? If God is so good and if he is present, where is he? Many of us out in the world, and dare I say many of us out in the pews today, may ask that same question. Lord, where are you? You say that you're here. You say that you're good and you're loving. I believe that, or at least I think I do. I'm told that you're loving and all these beautiful things, but where are you? I'm tired. But we need not lose hope. We hear St. Paul tell us in the second reading in Romans that hope does not disappoint. Hope is not lost. We boast in our hope in Jesus Christ. We know that through salvation history in the Old Testament, through the Gospels, and even after the Gospels, in the letters, and even now today, 
that God is the only one who fulfills. He desires that fulfillment. He desires that reprieve. And there's no shame that we should feel when we have to step back from life and ask the question, Lord, where are you? Show me where you are. Show me what it is that you have to offer me. Whatever reprieve, whatever rest, whatever sanctification that you want to do in my life, let me see it. I give you that freedom. I give you that permission. I give you that room to move and to work and to do what you need to do. But you've got to reveal it to me. Even in your humanity, God calls you to something great, something beautiful, something fulfilled, something exalted. Because when you start to see that reality of who Jesus is as God, as the Almighty, as the one who's come to redeem us, when we start to see that, our hearts are completely changed. We see that in the example of the Samaritan woman. She comes to draw water, but then she, in, she ends up leaving her jug at the well and running back to the town to tell everybody, I've met the Messiah. Who would believe her? An outcast going out in the middle of the day by herself that wasn't safe to begin with. This is outside of the town. She's traveling. Who would believe her when she just runs back into town and said, hey, I met the Messiah today. And yet she spoke with such conviction because she saw the glory of God and came to know Jesus Christ through his words, through his actions, through her encounter with him. That many in Samaria, we are told by St. John, many in Samaria came to believe through her words. But then Jesus shows up and he's welcome. And then they go back and they tell the woman, we believe not because only you've told us, but because we have heard it ourselves. We've seen what he can do. He has dwelt here with us. We invited him and he came in. What could that possibly say except that the Lord desires to enter the heart of each and every one of us? Yes, during this time of Lent. Sure, during the season of Easter coming up. But each and every day, when our, our, our jugs run dry, when we're tired, when we're burdened, when we're wearisome, we should return to that well of living water who is Jesus Christ. Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, we come back to this well of the Eucharist where new life bubbles up from the beauty of God, that wellspring of worship, of love, of desire. We are fulfilled here in the Eucharist, in the community, in the scriptures. Whatever the burden is, whatever the rest we need, we find it here. So that just like the Samaritan woman, we too can be vivified. We can be brought back to life and restored and renewed. The burden may remain. The physical exhaustion may still be there to some extent. But there's a spiritual reality as to who we are as human beings and who we are as the beloved sons and daughters of God Most High that deeply desires, deeply desires to simply encounter the Lord. Maybe it's enough to hear his word. Maybe it's enough to hear it broken open in the homily. Maybe it's enough just to look at the host as he is elevated and we see God transfigured once again from bread and wine to the body, the blood, the soul, the divinity. Maybe it's enough here. But at the very least, the Eucharist plants that tiny little seed within our hearts to be more open, to be more docile, to be more honest. Lord, I'm tired. Where are you? I am burdened. Where are you? I feel alone and abandoned. Where are you? 
Lord, I'm here seeking you and yearning for you and thirsting for you and hungering for you. Where are you? Look no further than here. Hope does not disappoint. When we hope in the Lord, and that's ironically enough or providential enough, that's Bishop Duca's Episcopal motto. When he became a bishop, he chose that phrase, hope in the Lord. It's not just some cheesy Christian phrase we put on bracelets. It's not just something that we say. Hope does not, does not disappoint, St. Paul says. Hope is not unfounded. Hope has to be in Jesus Christ. It has to keep us anchored to him, his divinity, his humanity, everything about what he desires for us. We find that in the wellspring of this Eucharist, this altar of sacrifice. Whatever burdens you have come with today, do not leave them and check them at the door. Bring them with you and cast them at the Lord and at his feet at the Eucharist. Recognize that he wants to take the brokenness and the despair and the ordinary and transform it into something extraordinary, something whole, something holy, something that fulfills and grants peace, peace that can only come from God. We're drawn as Catholics into this Eucharist because we are privileged to have this great sacrament. The Lord does not just leave us at the well. He walks with us into Samaria, into our towns, into our homes, our schools, our workplaces, into our very hearts, and seeks to dwell with us to continue to reveal that glory. So what is it then that you bring? Being tired and exhausted, some sorrow, some burden, some joy and some success that you want to share with him and thank him and praise him. Maybe you're just here to check off your Sunday obligation box. Regardless, the Lord loves you. The Lord desires you. Take heart that you have answered, that you've responded, and that you too have come, even if your jug is empty, to this wellspring of the Eucharist, to let the Lord reveal to you his glory, his power, his peace, and all these things that he has for you. Brothers and sisters, we have nowhere else to look. Nowhere else to look than Jesus Christ. Our hope in him is not unfounded. It does not disappoint. And so again and again, we come to this altar, again and again, to draw that life-giving water. Thank you for listening to the Christ the King at LSU podcast. The ministry here is possible thanks to our generous supporters. If you would like to become a CTK Golden Giver or learn more, please check our website. Your monthly financial support reaches hearts across LSU's campus and beyond. Details can be found on the website at ctklsu.org.